Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This current series of messages is on the book of Acts, showing its relevance for today as a pattern book for the operation of the Holy Spirit through the church. Be sure also to get a copy of Kevin's commentary on the book of Acts. Visit kevinconnor.org for details. To have you turn first of all to uh, a passage in the Old Testament, Psalm 68, that I want to uh, link up with Acts chapter 8. And uh, as we're going to see tonight, I believe that uh, Acts chapter 8 is really the fulfillment or the beginning of the fulfillment of a prophecy that's in Psalm 68. So let's turn to Psalm 68. Psalm 68, and we're just going to read uh, just several verses uh, from the psalm, uh, just uh, a verse here and there just because of time as always. But uh, we'll come back to it in the appropriate time. All right, Psalm 68, and uh, you'll notice it's a psalm to the chief musician, a psalm or song of David that says, Let God arise, let his enemies be splattered. Uh, what's your Bible say? Uh, scatter. Well, what's the difference? Splattered or scattered, how many like them both? Let them also that hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melteth before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God, yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Sing unto God, sing praises to his name. Extol him that rideth upon the heavens by his name, Yah, and rejoice before him. Verse 6, God setteth the solitary in families. And uh, in the margin of the old King James it says, uh, God sets the solitary in a house. In families he brings out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Then go down to verse 17. The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them, as in Sinai in the holy place. Thou hast ascended on high, thou hast led captivity captive, thou hast received gifts for men, yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. Think about that, Selah. Then way down to verse uh, 31. <coughs> Princes shall come out of Egypt. Ethiopia shall soon stretch out her hands unto God. Sing unto God, ye kingdoms of the earth. O sing praises unto the Lord, Selah. All right, I think that'll be enough verses from that. Now let's turn over to the book of Acts. And I want to use what we've just read in... Uh, Psalm 68 sort of as our foundation uh, for Acts chapter 8. Now if you're taking down the outline of the chapter that we're looking at, uh, this is what we have here tonight. So the chapter may be basically divided into four major sections. Uh, section A, we have the scattering that came about through the persecution, verses 1 through to 4. We'll have a look at a few thoughts there. And then section B, we have Philip the Evangelist. And uh, we have uh, his evangelism and ministry down in Samaria. And then, of course, the opposition by Simon the sorcerer. And then uh, section C, we have Peter and John apostolic ministry now, coming down from Jerusalem, verses 14 to 25. And then uh, section D, we have Philip and the eunuch. And uh, all of Philip's ministry, actually, in this chapter, can, divided, can be divided into two sections. Uh, public evangelism, first of all. And then, of course, personal evangelism. So, for a ministry of an evangelist, Acts chapter 8 is really a classic chapter. 
Now, let's just sort of uh, bring some of the loose thoughts together that we've been following through. We noticed uh, in our previous sessions, Acts chapter 1, we've had the uh, pre-Pentecostal prayer meeting, 120 people seeking the Lord, uh, the head of the church for the uh, outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, saw the day of Pentecost come, and the uh, first outpouring, the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the Pentecostal sermon, and uh, 3,000 people added to the church. In Acts chapter 3, we have the miraculous healing of the lame man at the beautiful gate. Acts chapter 4, we have the apostles before the council and the sermon that arose out of that and the beating that they received. Then Acts chapter 5, we saw the uh, first discipline in the early church, Sapphira and Anais, uh, struck dead for lying to the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 6, we've seen the first uh, deacons, we believe, and then Acts chapter 7 last week we looked at uh, Stephen's uh, defense before the council, particularly taking up the whole theme of the second time through the scripture. How many enjoyed Acts chapter 7 last week? All right, now we come to Acts chapter 8. And uh, Acts chapter 7 concerns Stephen, one of the deacons. And Acts chapter 8 concerns the next uh, deacon that was mentioned, and Philip. And that's a very significant thing in my mind that uh, both Stephen and Philip were first deacons before they moved into their ministry. And uh, I personally believe that, though we can't lay down the letter of the law on this, I do believe it's a good principle that I believe all those who uh, aspire to ministry or are called to ministry in any of the fivefold areas, I think it's good that they have uh, a deacon's ministry first and learn to have the spirit of a servant and learn to serve the people of God in the church. Can you say amen tonight? That's very small, amen. Can you say amen tonight? Thank you, I'm slightly deaf. So I like a good hearty amen. All right, let's uh, just touch on the high spots in verses 1 through to 4. We see the persecution here. We'll pick up in verse, uh, verse 1. Now you'll notice how after Stephen has been stoned here, we find the last couple of verses here in, in the previous chapter that... Uh, the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. Now you'll notice there's a progression here in these chapters. Chapter 7 concerns Stephen, the first deacon. Chapter 8 concerns Philip, the next deacon. Chapter 9 is now going to be picking up in our, our next session on uh, Saul as he was in due time to become the Apostle Paul. So there's just a progression in uh, Luke's uh, treatise here. All right, now in verses 1 through to 4, you'll notice what happened. Saul was consenting unto his death. That's unto Stephen's death. Pardon me. And uh, we're told at that time there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. Remember, the church is not a building. Have you ever seen a building persecuted? The church at Jerusalem was persecuted, and they weren't persecuting a building. So you've never been to church in your life, did you know that? This is not the church, this is a sheep shed, and all the sheep. Ah, that blesses my heart. All the sheep said, Amen. Alright, so persecution against the church at Jerusalem. Now, as we find the problem here, uh, and this is, uh, this is one of the dangers in uh, every movement, uh, in fact, uh, it's a saying that we use quite often. The only thing we learn from history is we never learn from history. And uh, one of the historical, I nearly said hysterical mistakes, it could be hysterical and historical, mistakes of the church and of every denomination is 
centralization, centralization. And so what is happening here, the church of Jerusalem is centralizing and the Lord has said, I want you to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. But the twelve apostles there at Jerusalem, they've got their headquarters there. And uh, I like studying a bit of church history and it always amazes me and amuses me to see nearly every denomination wants to have its little Jerusalem and set up its little last twelve apostles. Uh, the Mormons, more man, less God, uh, they have, pardon me being facetious here, a little, some of you are a bit slow tonight too, okay, uh, they have their 12. When I was in, in LA, I went to the last day that their uh, temple was open to the public. Uh, you weren't sanctified after that day. And they had 12 olive trees that had been flown from Jerusalem to have there for their 12. Anyway, we better not get under that. So, uh, so I'm saying all that is that the danger of centralization. So here the Lord, because he sees the church, instead of being willing to get out uh, to Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth and get out and preach the gospel in all the world, every creature and make disciples of all nations, the Lord just allows a little bit of persecution to come. And I think the Lord Jesus, as he's sort of looking over the balustrades of heaven, and he says, well, there's that Jerusalem church. They're getting a little bit legalistic. They're getting a little bit conceited about the outpouring they have, and they've got the big 12 apostles there. And uh, I, I just need to get them going. And I wonder what instrument I could use. Now, I've tried a little bit of religious persecution, a little bit of political persecution. Uh, the enemy almost got in from without with Sapphire and Ananias. Uh, and as he's looking around... He suddenly sees a Pharisee riding along on his donkey by the name of Saul. And the Lord Jesus said, he'll do. Let's grab him. Uh, we'll convert him later on, but we'll use him first of all uh, to help the church. And uh, I don't know how many of you are old enough. Let's have a look here. Uh, we used to sing that song, the Lord does not compel us to go against our will, but he does make us willing to go. Does anybody remember that song? In the old verse it says, you know, that None of us would be forced to go against our will out that door, but if the Lord let, let loose a, a, a nest of live hornets. Now, they wouldn't compel us to go against our will, but they would make us willing to go. <laughs> Having know that. So, so the Lord was going to use the, uh, the uh, Apostle Paul to be, Saul as he was, wonderful Pharisee here. Uh, he wasn't a little hippie with a Jesus and Lord t-shirt and... You know, didn't have a great testimony. They'd been on drugs and everything like that. He was a nice religious sinner, a Pharisee. And so the Lord grabs him and says, I want you, he doesn't know this yet, he wakes up later on, uh, just to help the church of Jerusalem to get away from centralization. So that's how the chapter starts off. So Saul was consenting unto Stephen's death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which it was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Okay, that's the order the Lord said. Preach the gospel, go and be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria. So throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. So it had a way of purifying the church as well as persecuting the church 
But uh, I like verse 4. If you link verse 4 with uh, verse, uh, verse 1, this is what you see. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. How many know that when uh, the believers were scattered, the word was scattered? And you see, it's a very significant word because, you know, they didn't have uh, uh, reapers and binders and uh, I can't even think of the machines we used to use on the farm now. Uh, for sowing, I mean the sower just would take the seed in his hand and just scatter it abroad. A sower went to, forth to sow and he scattered the seed upon stony ground. And so that's the picture we have here. So the Lord scattered the disciples, you saw to scatter the disciples, but in scattering the disciples, he scattered the seed of the word, which is exactly what he wanted. In other words, what we see really happening here, as we did... Uh, uh, a number of months back on the parables of the kingdom. Parable, parable one was uh, the sowing of the word and the seed was the word. So in parable one we saw that the, 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 the seed was the word. But then in parable two we see that the seed now becomes the good children of the kingdom. So in parable one they receive the, the, they receive the seed in parable two they become the seed. And that's what we see in the Gospels where the seed is the word, but in Acts chapter 2 now and onwards we see the scattering of the seed, so those who would receive the seed now become the seed. So verse 4 is sort of the key to that section. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. So uh, in scattering the good seed of the kingdom and scattering the disciples, they were scattering the word of God and fulfilling the parable. Now in section B here, we look at Philip the Evangelist, and I want you to look at two or three scriptures here. Uh, as far as the specific word evangelist is concerned, uh, it's only used two or three times in the New Testament, though we have uh, the Greek word from which it's arrived in regards to preaching, and that used many times. Let's turn over to uh, Acts chapter 21, verse 8. Acts chapter 21, verse 8. Now, let's just make a note of a couple of things that's, that's developing here now. Remember, I mean, we're sort of looking back at the early church, but uh, uh, back there, they're just seeing the church being built. So Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. And uh, so we see the Lord as the head of the church, building his church from heaven now. And so the first few chapters are dealing with apostolic ministry, the 12 apostles, foundation of the church, foundation of the bride city, the 12 foundation. Uh, 12 apostles whose names are in the foundation. So here we have uh, apostolic ministry, 12 foundation apostles whose names are in the bride city. Then uh, the next thing we see, that's so Acts chapter uh, 1 through to, say, 5 at least, particularly the ministry of the 12 apostles, foundation ministries. Acts chapter 6, we move and we see the first uh, office, and as we saw the that there is difference of opinion on this, we have the first deacon, so Acts chapter 6. Now when we come to Acts chapter 8, we have the first specific mention of an evangelist. And Philip, who is an evangelist, Acts chapter 8, uh, later on we're going to see how, I'll just, by way of anticipation here, we see elders established in the church. So as you flow through the book of Acts, uh, then we come to prophets and teachers as a, sort of unfolding here 
Now, we'll bring some of our jigsaw puzzle together in due time here, but Acts chapter 20, 21 and verse 8, we're told, And the next day we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist. So Philip the Evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. So no mistake there, Philip the Evangelist. Let's go over to um, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Second Timothy chapter 4, and uh, Paul is writing to uh, his son in the faith, Timothy, and in verse 5 we have a, the next uh, use of the word evangelist that we're looking at. So, first, uh, Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, and Paul says, But watch thou in all things, and do afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. So Philip was the evangelist back there. Here Timothy is told to do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Now, let's go over to Ephesians 4, Ephesians chapter 4. And in this uh, chapter here, Paul is quoting from the psalm that we read at the beginning of our session here. He's quoting from Psalm 68. And uh, by the time our session's through, I'm sure it'll all come together. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7. Ephesians 4 verse 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Grace, measure, gift. Measure of grace, measure of gift. Grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Very important words there. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, and he's quoting from Psalm 68, which we just read a while back. So when he ascended up on high, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, he led uh, a multitude of captives, or led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. And then uh, there's an interpolation here. Now that he ascended, what is it that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended uh, is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. So that's the sort of interpolation there. It's uh, in parenthesis. So let's pick up from verse 8 and continue the thought in verse 11. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And what were the gifts he gave? And he gave some the gifts of apostles, and some the gifts gift of prophets, and some the gift of evangelists, and some gift of shepherding, pastors, as it's translated here, only once, 16 other times, shepherd. And uh, he gave some the gift of teachers. And then we have the three fours, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So, now, think what's happening here. Christ the head has gone up in Acts chapter 1. He said, I'm going to build my church. Acts chapter 2, we've had the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And now there's just a progressive revelation, because they don't know what a New Testament church is. They've never seen one. They're just in the process of it. So head of the church is giving the word to them. They haven't got the New Testament. Uh, they're looking forward. We're looking back now to a uh, completed uh, canon of Scripture. They haven't got that. They haven't got any New Testament writings that we know of. 
So the head of the church is uh, giving them the word. So the twelve apostles' foundations, as I said, their names in the foundation stones of the bride city, uh, the first twelve, so Acts 1 through to 5. Now we have the office of deacon and the seven deacons here. And amongst the deacons, at least, there's an evangelist. So now we come uh, to Philip the evangelist. So when he ascended up on high, he gave gifts to men. Now, by way of anticipation, I'll say this now and repeat it later on. It's important to understand a term that uh, we use here sometimes, uh, and that's this term, post-ascension, how do you spell ascension? Is it C-I-O-N? Yes. The chalk doesn't know how to spell, remember that. Uh, Post-ascension gift, uh, yeah, what do I want here? Doesn't even know how to think this chalk doesn't either. So post-ascension gift ministries. Now let me say this again. Let's say it properly, what I have in mind here. See, before the cross, Jesus never chose a prophet or an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher or an elder or a deacon before the cross. He simply chose the twelve apostles. After the cross and his death, burial and resurrection and ascension, when he ascended up on high, he now chooses apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. So we have more apostles than the twelve. Before the cross, we have the twelve foundation apostles, but there are other apostles after the cross or after his ascension, and that's why we refer to these as post-ascension gift ministries, because in the next chapter he's going to choose Paul to be an apostle, and Paul is not, as we say, one of the twelve back here. He's an apostle chosen after the ascension. So hope everybody understands what I'm saying here. So we're seeing post-ascension gift ministries now from the risen head. When he ascended up on high, he gave gifts to men. And it's really important for us to always try and keep in the back of our minds somewhere here, between here and there, you know, that all the ministries in the body of Christ are simply his ministries. Christ is the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher, the elder, the deacon, the, the mercy shower, the ex- he's everything. So all he's doing is that all the fullness is in the head. He's just allowing the fullness that's in the head to flow down into the many-membered body. And no one member has it all. I haven't got it all. I've just got my little bit. But the fullness is in the body. So that's why we need the body of Christ. We need one another. No one man has it all. I haven't got it all. I know my limitations. I know the measure of my gifting. So... Only the Lord Jesus, he's the only one that has it all. But he wasn't going to give his all to any one man who's going to put it in a many-membered body. So all of us have a place in the body and a function responsibility. How many are glad for that? Well, that's all ten of you. How many are glad for that? All right, so when you send it up on high. Now let's go back to Acts quickly. Time always keeps moving. All right, so a post-ascension gift ministry of evangelists here. Now, as you go through this section here, Philip the Evangelist, we see the ministry of an evangelist here, 
And uh, evangelist simply the word means one that announces good tidings. It's the evangel, the good news. He announces good tidings. And it's interesting in this chapter that we have two, uh, two, two Greek words that are particularly used uh, in, this, in this chapter. And it's simply translated by the word preach. But we have uh, this word, uh, I won't try and pronounce it too brilliant here, uh, caruso. And it actually means to proclaim as a herald, to herald forth something to proclaim. And then we have another word, euagalizo, something like that. I'm not talking in tongues. And this means to announce good news. So first word is caruso, to announce as a herald, to proclaim as a herald. And then this word, euagalizo, from which we get evangelist, or evangelize. It's to announce good news. Uh, if, you want, if you're taking down notes and you want to make a note of that, in verse 5, now notice in verse 4, I want you to notice the word preach at the moment, preach. Uh, uh, I have heard people over the years, oh, we're tired of being preached out, let's quit preaching, you know. No, 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 the Bible says preach the word, amen? So verse 4, therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. So preach the word. Verse 5 now is where we have this word, caruso, uh, and it's to, to proclaim as a herald. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached, heralded Christ unto them. So we've got verse 4, preaching the word, verse 5, preaching Christ. Then go down to verse 12, but when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Preaching. So notice the use of the word preaching there. Verse 4, preaching the word. Verse 5, preaching Christ. Verse 12, preaching the things concerning the kingdom. Uh, preaching, preaching, right through. Go down to verse 25. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. So preaching. Verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. You know, often we become apologetic. Well, I don't want to preach at you. Well, they did in the book of Acts. But uh, Verse 40, But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So, verse 5 is this word, uh, Caruso, to proclaim as a herald. All the other verses I gave you are Eugagalizzo, it's to preach the gospel, to announce good news, the evangel. So this whole chapter is built around that. Now you'll notice here, and uh, it's always a, a, a challenging thing, well, do you believe so-and-so is an evangelist? What about him? Do you think they're an evangelist? A Bible evangelist. We're looking at a Bible evangelist. And this is what I see the signs of a Bible evangelist were. And I think you can all agree with me on this. First of all, he preached Christ. He preached Christ. How many believe that an evangelist should preach Christ? So he preached a person. He didn't just preach a doctrine. He preached a person. He preached Christ. Christ was center, central in his preaching. Number two, he preached the gospel of the kingdom and the name of Jesus Christ. That's verse 12. When they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God. So what do you think he preached? Except a man be born again and cannot enter the kingdom of God. He preached the kingdom of God. So he preached Christ, preached the kingdom of God. 
and he also preached the name of Jesus Christ. Not only that, number three, he had a signs-following ministry. And this is found in verse 6 and 7. Uh, uh, people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. So, uh, signs and wonders, these signs shall follow them that believe. Uh, then verse 7, unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies and that were lame uh, were healed. So, number three, he had a signs following in ministry. So, number one, he preached Christ. Number two, he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. Number four, he had a signs following ministry here. Uh, the sick were healed, devils were cast out. He was demonstrating the power of the kingdom. So, that was the Bible evangelist. And, uh, and then the fifth thing here under his ministry, the people believed and were baptized in water. You see that in verse 12. They were baptized, both men and women. Not just the men being baptized, but the women. Now, you'll notice the summary of uh, Philip's ministry here in verse 14. And uh, while, we're, while we're on verse 14 and 15, we'll link uh, uh, a couple of scriptures together. In verse 14, Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now I've underlined those two expressions there. In verse 14, under Philip the Evangelist ministry, they received the word of God. Under Peter and John, in our next section in a moment here, they received the Holy Spirit. So Philip the Evangelist, they received the word and all that's involved. Sick were healed, devils were cast out, lame were healed, miracles took place, Christ was preached, uh, kingdom of God was preached, the name of Jesus Christ was preached, and, uh, and, and they received the word. And uh, the issue is, when a person receives the word, what happens? Book of Acts doesn't use this expression, but the truth of it is there. Uh, we are born again, not only of the spirit, but we are born again of the incorruptible seed, the word of God. So how many would agree with me that though it doesn't use the expression born again, that the Samaritans were born again? They, uh, you know, they went down dry sinners and come up wet ones. No, so there we see the picture of uh, evangelist Philip. Now, let's move on here. Uh, quickly, number C, Peter and John. Now, here's the beautiful thing about this. In the book of Acts, it was uh, recognition, not competition. So, Jerusalem, and you'll notice what's happening here. Jesus said, preach gospel in Jerusalem, beginning of Jerusalem, and then Judea. So in the first few chapters, it's gone through Jerusalem, Judea. Now Samaria. Now we're getting into Samaria. And then the next one that's going to be used is the Apostle Paul, who's going to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. So the whole book of Acts is just unfolding as the head of the church wants it. They're in contact with the head of the church by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the, the hotline to glory here. And so the gospel is just unfolding. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then Saul's going to come in in chapter 9. God's going to put a hook in his jaw and he's going to go to the uttermost parts of the then known world. So this is what's happening here. Now, in uh, verses 14 through to 25, Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word under the evangelist Philip, one of their deacons got out of town and got loose. So now, 
they sent down from Jerusalem to Samaria the apostles. Remember, this is all in foundation of the early church uh, uh, to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, there's no, as I said, there's, uh, there's recognition, not competition. Philip didn't say, hey, listen, you boys, get back to Jerusalem. This is my turf. I've just had a good move of the Holy Spirit here in Samaria, and what are you guys coming in buttoning in for? Now, these were going to supply something that an evangelistic ministry in this case lacked. So, what happened in this section? We find that Peter and John, the two that Jesus is sent out two by two principle, laid hands on the Samaritans that they might receive the Holy Spirit. And it's quite evident, as we've seen on previous occasions, that, they, that uh, Simon the sorcerer saw something and heard something that he wanted to buy that power. We don't need to go through that session again. But not only did they lay hands on the Samaritans that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So now we're getting a church founded in Samaria on the principles that were established in Jerusalem. So the Christ is preached, the kingdom of God is preached, the name of Jesus, people are baptized in water, now they're receiving the Holy Spirit, signs and wonders ministry has followed the evangelists. Now a church is being established according to the principles in, uh, in, in the church of Jerusalem. But Philip lacked an area and didn't discern something because when Simon, and how many know that what God places us all in given circumstances just to expose what's on the inside? How many know that God can orchestrate circumstances just to reveal what's on the inside? So Philip had baptized Simon the sorcerer. He had deceived the people. He had signs and wonders and everything like that and his magic and was a sorcerer. And by the way, it's a very interesting thing that wherever you see the word sorcery or witchcraft in the New Testament, it comes from the Greek word uh, pharmacia and uh, it actually, uh, from which we get the word chemist and pharmacy, it actually means a maker and user and enchanter with drugs. And I believe many of the drugs that kids in today and many of the drugs that come from chemists and many of the drugs that even Christians are using from chemists and pharmacists today have a spirit behind them. Thank you, Brother Connor. That's an excellent point. I really feel good about it. And it quite amazes me, the Christians that are on so many drugs. Drug to wake up, a drug to go to sleep, a drug in your coffee. Now, it mightn't stop you going to heaven. It'll help you get there quicker. Well, we better not get onto that because I don't get too many amens on that type of... Uh, so we'll just stick to the Bible, okay? Uh, and then Christians wonder why they're getting trouble because they're dealing with drugs that have spirits behind them. Now, I didn't say every one of them, but a lot of them are. And you just go through the New Testament on sorcery, the sorcery that's in the church. Makers, users, and enchanters with drugs. And we're living in a drug-related generation, to say the least. Anyway, that's a whole message in itself, and I want you to stay till the end here. All right, now, so... Peter and John picked it up that Simon the sorcerer had deceived Philip and Philip didn't have discernment in this case that Simon the sorcerer just went down a dry sinner and come up a wet one. For those of you who know me, you know how strong we believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and water baptism here. But Simon the sorcerer was baptized in the name too. But it didn't do a thing for him. 
because you see to really have the name invoked upon you in baptism it involves the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ the, na the name in scripture was the nature so if we are really baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ how many believe we should manifest more the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ everybody said Amen and so Simon rebuked him and uh, told him he was in the gall of bitterness and everything like that now let's just for a few moments notice what happens in the end of the chapter here in the midst of this great revival this great awakening this founding of the church here uh, evangelist Philip suddenly the Lord comes to him verse 26 and the angel of the Lord spake to Philip and said arise go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza which is desert no arguments say, oh Lord, I just can't leave the church here. You know, we just started the church here. It's barely established. We've just got the baptism of the Spirit. They really need, you know, I've just got to establish the PEA, P, the Philip Evangelistic Association. Uh, but he was willing just to, and he didn't know, you know. So as he's going down the track there, down on the desert, there's a man of Ethiopia. Now, can you remember the scripture we went, uh, read before in Psalm 68? When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. And as the psalm goes on, we just uh, read a few verses, it says, Princes shall come out of Egypt and Ethiopia will soon stretch out her hands to God. And here's a man from Ethiopia, a black brother. A black man and here is an, a gifted and a, a post ascension gift ministry to evangelists and the Lord Jesus Christ didn't give Philip a vision I don't know whether he was sectarian nationalistic racist or anything maybe if Philip had seen it was a black man he might have said oh I'm having a nightmare <laughs> and I forgot to feed it um, a bit slow there too aren't you are you awake tonight okay uh, so the Lord just said, go down to the desert. And as he's going down the desert, there's an Ethiopian. And this Ethiopian had been up to Jerusalem. And what do you think he'd found in Jerusalem? Bells and smells and incense and nonsense. Religion, routine, ritual. He hadn't found Jesus. Now he got an Old Testament Bible. So as he's reading, the custom was in that day to read the scripture out loud. So he's, he, he's, big, he's, big, he's a big fish here man of Ethiopia and so he's uh, a, a man of a eunuch of great authority under Candace queen of the Ethiopians had the charge of all the treasure and he'd come up to Jerusalem for the worship and he's returning and he's reading Isaiah the prophet and just as he's reading out loud the spirit said to Philip oh I love this don't you the spirit and here the Holy Spirit is working on the evangelist and the Holy Spirit's working on the eunuchy and he's going to bring uh, this ascension gift ministry of evangelists and this man of Ethiopia who's stretching out to go, his hands to God. Hadn't found God in Jerusalem, found a bunch of religion, bells and smells and all the temple stuff and everything, but he hadn't found Christ. And so now the Lord's going to grab Philip the evangelist and say, okay, go down the desert, leave your little revival in Samaria and there's one soul that I want to have the first convert to Africa. Can you say amen, sister? Hallelujah. Don't, do, don't you feel good? There's some tremendous prophecies about the Ethiopians. We've got a few in this church. Isn't that great? I said, isn't that great? And so he's reading the scripture out loud and the, Philip, uh, the Spirit said, Philip, go and join yourself to the chariot. 
and as someone has said, Philip was the right man in the right place at the right time saying the right thing to the right person and who organised it? The Holy Spirit, the head of the church. And as someone said, Philip had to run to get there on time for his text. Because when he got there, he's reading, he was led as a land of the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearers were dumb. Do you understand what you're reading? Haven't got a clue. And I say to people, and I say this to young people, oh, when I read the Bible, I don't understand it. This man didn't understand it, but God had a ministry there at the right time to help him understand it. And I say to young people, and I say to everybody, read the Bible if you don't, un- even if you don't understand it, God will have a ministry there to help you. I read the Bible through in four days when I was 18. I didn't understand a thing I read, but I got the word into me. Read it. So he's reading the word. He didn't understand. And as he jumped up in the chariot, he began at the same scripture. Didn't have his notes. Didn't have my text on the book of Acts or hermeneutics, anything. He began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And the end result was, ended up being baptized in water. And a man from Ethiopia, the first convert, was brought to the Lord. What a fantastic picture, isn't it? Let me finish on this. Our time's up. Put down for your own own, uh, notes, if you're taking notes, Genesis chapter 9. I'll show you something wonderful here as we wrap up. I think it's all wonderful, don't you? Back in Genesis chapter 9, when Mr. Noah got out of the ark, he doesn't understand that there's been a change of climate, but it's more like Melbourne. And uh, he gets drunk. And uh, in drinking of the fruit of the vine, becomes naked. They didn't quite wear undies and everything like we do these days. The dress was a little bit different. And as he wakes from his drunkenness, because Shem Ham and Japheth Ham had seen his father's nakedness and told the two other brothers about it, and they wouldn't do anything uh, rude. There was something implicit there. So they walked backwards and covered their father's nakedness. Now, the order, as Noah woke from his drunkenness there and his nakedness, uh, he, he prophesied over his three sons in this order. Or not in this order, but the order is the Shem, Ham and Japheth. Now, I haven't got time to go into prophecies because our time's through. Now, what is happening here? Blessing on the tents of Shem. Blessed be the Lord God of Shem. Cursed be Canaan. Uh, servant of servants shall he be, and blessed be Shem, enlarged, uh, he shall be enlarged. But Japheth and Ham would be blessed in the tents of Shem. Now, do you know what happens in the book of Acts? Because the head of the church died on Calvary and became a curse for every one of us. Do you know the order of the gospel? Acts chapter 1 through, um, one through uh, 7 is basically the tents of Shem. Jerusalem, Judea. Acts chapter 8, the curse has been lifted and here's a man from Ethiopia of the line of Ham, a black man, coming and being blessed in the tents of Shem. When you get to Acts chapter 10 and 11, which we hope to get to in due time, you see Cornelius and those from Japheth. And the curse that was uttered through Noah, now through the cross, they come into blessing. Isn't God good? Ethiopia shall soon stretch out her hands to you. And he goes back. And what does Philip experience? A little rapture. He's carried away. 
I wish that would happen for me sometimes. But I don't know if the angels would carry my bags. Let's all stand, our time's up. Father, just thank you again for your wonderful, precious word. Thank you, Lord, that through the cross of Calvary the curse has been reversed and that all nations who are under the curse outside of the cross may through the cross come into blessing. Thank you, Father, that, that in this house we have those from the tents of Shem, those from Ham, and those from Japheth, who are together in the church that you're building, the one body of Christ. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books, and his ministry.